Welcome to the first day of the rest of your lives. My name is Andy Zaremba, and I am uh, back behind the mic after a little hiatus for a few weeks. We've had a few major life events, which has prevented us from recording as consistently as we have for the majority of the year. But uh, as usual, as per usual, behind the other microphone today and working the helm is Mike. Hey, everybody. Goodbye, 2017, and hello, 2018. This is uh, microcast number four, and if you haven't heard a microcast before, this is a, a podcast where basically it's just Andy and I um, chatting very um, organically, and we wanted to kind of recap 2017 a little bit, share a little bit what's going on with ourselves, and then looking forward to 2018. And um, first of all, thanks for joining us. And we are really, uh, well, I mean, I'm happy to be where we are this year. We, we did a ton of podcasts this year. Um, like you said, we kind of uh, had a little um, dwindling near the end of the year here, but we still kept it going relatively consistently, just not as on the weekly basis as we did for, I guess, 90% of the year. But um, yeah, well, I mean, we had we, some major life events. We did. We had a lot going on. Now, I mean, Children, I had a, new humans coming into the world. That's right. I had my my son was born on October, late October, and uh, you know, so Leo is now here with us. And you were uh, gone away for the end or the beginning of December on a pretty epic life changing trip, not just internally, but in terms of your uh, interpersonal relationships. Yeah, I'm now engaged. Congratulations. Yeah, it's like. It's weird using the word fiance. It's I know. I also strange. got en- I got engaged on Thanksgiving weekend, so we both got engaged within a matter of th- like two and a half months. Yeah, and it sounds so much better than the word partner. Like for the, for like years, Lisa and I would call each other partners. Yeah, and it was just such an awkward term. We always felt very weird so saying like that. People would be like, "Why would you call your your significant other a partner?" I'm like, I don't know. What are you? It sounds better than. I girlfriend guess it, I guess or it stands, boyfriend. I, yeah, know? it seems a little more mature than that. It seems a little bit more committal than boyfriend and girlfriend, right? Yeah. Um, but I find the word fiance personally to be a little, I don't know. I just, I don't like, I don't, using it, it feels like. Um, to me, it's, it's, it's like a tribute to like tradition. And yeah. it's also, it shows a certain level of commitment in your relationship, I think. Right, right. So it's just like fiance, that's like, you know. That's as serious as it gets, other than being married. Right, until so, it's like your, your wife. It pretty much is husband. married. It's basically saying we're getting married. It exactly. Is, that's exactly what it's saying, actually. That's exactly what it's saying. <laughs> is we're intending to get married at yeah. this point in time. <clears throat> so, I don't know. I just, the word, like when I, when I go, and this is my fiance, and it's like, it sounds so, I don't know. It's such a temporal state, I guess, but it just doesn't, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't really gotten used to it yet, I guess. The I women like it. The women like it. Do they? Okay. Oh yeah, fiance. It's like it sounds French or something. Right. Oh, it is French. Yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. It's one of those words that just you know we couldn't make up our own. We'd be like fiance. It's my fiance. <laughs> fiance. No, not even fiance. That's too French. Fiance. We, we, yeah. The, the women did not want to have that. Uh, well, the women. I shouldn't even say that. But like, you know, they didn't want to have that uh, that elegance taken away. Right. The more feminine half of the partnership, maybe we could say that. Yeah, exactly. Fem- yeah, that's that's perfect. The feminine, masculine dance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we both have uh, fiances now, and 
And uh, I have my my little boy, and he's doing awesome. And uh, and then you were away uh, in Peru um, back at Spirit Quest. Doing yeah. Another well, round before that, I, d- I did my proposal to Lisa on top of Wayna Pichu, which overlooks Machu Picchu, which is really it was very epic. And we had a pretty good day. It was fairly cloudy, but we had a nice view. But it was a struggle, man. When I got to Cusco, when we flew in, I didn't realize how high an elevation that place was. And my, uh, I definitely really got hit by altitude. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was weird because when I was in the Himalayas, I really didn't get hit by altitude that hard. However, I did take the medication Diamox mm-hmm. for a week leading up to it. It probably helped And then a lot. I think the climatization was a little bit better planned when i went there mm. uh when we flew the cuscos you know first of all when you're walking up and down those hills you just it's amazing how quickly you get gassed walking around there like you have to walk so slow going up those roads mm-hmm. then on top of that you know we our flight left really early in the morning from vancouver like 6 a.m so we left ho- our house at like 3 30 a.m to get to the airport on time and uh, didn't get a lot of sleep combining that with like, you know, travel and then not a lot of sleep the next day and then flying into Cusco and then the altitude and not sleeping. The altitude made me not able to sleep. I was getting really bad headaches and I was just like not sleeping at all. Mm-hmm. And then had a little bit of a cold and then that first night in Cusco, it just turned into a chest infection and just got worse and worse and worse. So I was like sick and getting crushed by altitude. So it was pretty rough. And, and meanwhile, uh, you had this plan to propose, right? Oh, yeah. So basically, I, we had finally got our way to, um, what's the place that uh, Machu Picchu is actually at? Agua Calientes. That's right. And we finally arrived there, and I just decided, well, we've come all this way. We have to take planes and trains, and you know, we're like, spent a lot of money to be down there, so like, this is happening. But I had to basically... You know, drag myself up Wainapuchu, which which was not much harder than doing the grouse grind, probably. No. Maybe a little easier than that. Not quite as consistently steep, mm-hmm. but it felt a lot harder that day. I was mm-hmm. just hammered. Um, get all the way up there and then, you know, do the proposal, stay up there, hang out for a while, look at the view, do some photos. And then we make our way back down and we went down the wrong side. So we went down the side that takes you around the entire mountain, which added an additional three hours to the hike. Yeah. And we didn't realize that until we were like a third of the way down. And we saw these people coming up and we're like, oh, no, we went down the wrong way. So it added like all this time on. And we're like, well, if we go back up and then go back down again, it's almost the same. So we might as well just continue on. Right. So on top of being sick, it added a lot of time and distance to the trek. But... um other than feeling like a death, total death bag, uh, it was amazing. It was a spectacular view. Mm-hmm. Wayne Picchu is really cool because it's one of the four mountains that surround Machu Picchu, and it's I believe it's the western peak, and it overlooks it all. And it's a pretty incredible place. They don't really know exactly why it was built. Um, the theory is that it was a place of education of some type mm. because there's no fortifications and it's too small to be a city. It could only maybe uh, house like 800 people, they estimate, if it was full. Mm. So they figure it was a place of higher learning, which is really interesting. Hmm. What were they learning? Who knows, right? Uh, probably learning, <clears throat> who knows, astrology, cosmology, mathematics, 
You never know. Who knows? The traditions were passed on there. Yeah. But really cool Architecture. place. Um, and uh, yeah, Peru is just a really interesting country in general. This is there's a lot to offer there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really beautiful. They have lots of d- different uh, climates you can go and visit. Um, and of course, uh, you know, it is. I'm not sure if it's classed as a third world country, but it's it's you know borderline. Right. <clears throat> and you know, Don Howard was talking about just how bad the corruption is there. Mm-hmm. Like all the entire government's completely corrupt. All the police are completely corrupt. So mm-hmm. it's like it's not a super stable place to go. Right. I mean, if you get in trouble there, it's like you know, it's it's different than when you're in trouble here. Right. Um, but uh, other than that, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think when you're speaking to how cool it is, there's tons of uh, cultural culture, tons of history. Yeah. And um, and just like kind of what that civilization stemmed from, like their pre-colonial or uh, pre-Columbian roots are super fascinating on a lot of levels. And like, obviously, Don Howard, who owns and runs Spirit Quest Sanctuary, where we go down there in Iquitos or near Iquitos to do um, the shamanic plant medicine work. He speaks a lot about the Chavin um, uh uh, civilization. Actually, he talked a ton about it on our podcast with him this year. We've had an awesome reign of podcasts this year, and Don Howard was one of them. And he, um, yeah, just was really connected with this um, pre-Columbian civilization called the Chavin people, who basically really had a, an amazing culture, it seemed like. And they um, they actually had a very live and active practice of uh, Wachuma shamanism. And had this very deep relationship with the plant throughout their culture and their civilization. I don't know. He is the stories he tells about that and from the stuff that he's learned archeologically and, and, um, well, definitely anthropologically is pretty cool. If you haven't listened to that one, he goes into about the, the society of Chavin and what, what it was about in theory and it sounded pretty awesome. I want to go live in Chavin. But one thing I'd love to do would be to go do uh Wachuma Mesada in the temple of Chavin. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That would be really cool. Yeah. I think Howard did that once, too. He used to do it on the pilgrimage, yeah. And yeah. then and then do that. And also just do it in the in the mountains, like in the Andes somewhere. Like doing it in the mountains. That's kind of more of its... It's closer its, to its... That's what's, well, that's where its roots are. Yeah, exactly. So... Yeah. No, that would be amazing. Um, and also, I, I think they did Vilca there as well, too. And Vilca was reserved for the priests, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Yeah. And for yeah. those of you who don't know, Vilca is, well, one of the four master plants, but it's the least known master plant in the Americas. There's Wachuma, Peyote, Ayahuasca, and Vilca. And Vilca is actually a seed. Um, and the tree itself is called the Vilca, mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. basically means sacred. Mm-hmm. And... It's interesting because what they do is they, they kind of roast the seeds and they dehusk it, then they gr- grind it up and they mix it with lime. And that's sort of what activates it. And it's a snuff. So basically, you snuff it. And when we're at Spirit Quest, you actually snuff it through a, a human finger bone. And uh, the, the interesting thing about that bone is it's several thousand years old. Mm-hmm. And there's a very good chance that the persons who, whose bone that was uh, most likely had done Vilca themselves 
and like this was sort of their way of passing on or giving to future Vilka participants. Yeah, I think from what Don Howard says is that um, that bone was traditionally used for the Vilka ceremony as well. Exactly. Well, yeah, it was. And he, he also said that this time, he's like, and the person who owned, whose finger bone it is, probably did Vilka in their lifetime. Maybe he's like a Vilka like shaman, like a specialist or something, yeah. and that's why they use his hand. To, I mean, they, that's the thing. When all these different types of shamanistic practice and culture, there's so much like meaning to every element of it. Like every step of the ceremony is not done just because. There's usually a very deep symbology behind it or a ritual that, you know, it means something. So like, and everything has like greater depth of meaning to it. So most likely I could see that <laughs> being is, true. It's so interesting too. It's like when you're going down the path of shamanism, how everything has to be done a very specific way. Mm. Or it should be done a very specific way, and if not, a lot of times you're gonna get, you're, you'll get punished for not doing it that way. But it's also the case. Somebody pointed out Spirit Quest, like a lot of religions have similar protocol for how you have to do things. Mm -hmm. Or if not, there's going to be some sort of punishment. For example, like the way certain meats are slaughtered has to be done a certain way, or else you're not supposed to eat it. You know. So it's interesting how. Well, like I, there's these, these, these like really, it's like they've, like, have you ever read any of Carlos Castaneda books? Yeah. Or listened to any of them? Mm -hmm. Like, you have to do all these things in a particular order, in a particular way, at the right time of year, with the right ingredients, or else nothing happens, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like this, they figure it out over time how to, like, hack reality by right. doing all these weird things. Well, I mean, like, and another person that's been a big part of my year, and I know yours as well, has been listening to uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson a lot. And he'll he's doing his psychological analysis of the biblical stories, uh, speaking with the Old Testament, and how he breaks them down from a psychological perspective and how they are basically stories to tell you how to act within the world and, you know, by, you know, giving you these stories to, to help you just navigate your, your existence, navigate your life. And I, I could see that, you know, over the millennia and the generations, like these things being extrapolated to specific things such as like cutting meat and like how you prepare meat and like, I don't know, maybe there are just better ways to do it for whatever yeah. reason. Well, the neat thing about the biblical stories, the way Jordan Peterson breaks it down is how... These are not just rules that that people have invented. Right, it's actually what has been observed by observing like life mm -hmm. and observing uh, human uh, society and social function and morality. Mm -hmm. And these are rules that are actually dictated through nature uh, that govern how human beings should interact with each other uh, to create the most harmonious society. And actually to to give the best chances of survival of the species right because it's all evolutionary based so it's all like these ideas are are all observed through over the courses of thousands and thousands of years probably even longer mm -hmm. um, on how to interact with each other in order to uh, best get along which from an evolutionary perspective is all built in to help perpetuate the species. So it's like right. these. So the, all the stories that were told are, have all been like taken from even more archaic stories from other traditions, mm -hmm. but all with the purpose of teaching you 
if you like basically if you follow these guidelines you'll live a fairly good life now there's some rules in there obviously that are super archaic that aren't applicable today yeah but there's a lot of rules in there that that they're you, they're universal they're timeless they're universal so yeah. it's like you know i i came from the school of like for years i'm like i, I totally dismiss christianity i totally dismiss the bible and all that stuff mm-hmm. and there's a lot of reasons why you should why you why i did that you know what i mean right. because of like a lot of the atrocities that were committed in the name of religion mm-hmm. and to this day and uh, some of the other rules uh that are involved but if you can strip past the the more human bullshit the more you know the egoic side of it the side that like that Obviously, the ideology, the ideologies that have been twisted to what to, for whatever means. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really good wisdom in there, mm-hmm. and it's hard it's it's hard to overlook it once you've had it broken down in a really intelligent manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree, and and it's neat to know that like these stories are like um, combinations of stories told over time from different cultures, and then like reformatted, but then ultimately coming back to roots uh you know all religions kind of root in shamanism practices and shamanism you know is something that like is basically the learnings and understandings of observation that humans seem to do um you know just to understand how reality worked on different levels and and not that it's going to be understood scientifically but it's like it brings a level of truth potentially pragmatically on how it unfolds in someone's life and that's kind of a little bit different than scientific truth. And, and I mean, I'm not into the deeper philosophies of it all, but, um, and it's neat listening to Jordan Peterson talk about different elements of Christianity and the cross and the symbolism and what it means. And then like cross-referencing that with my personal experiences on ayahuasca, which are just like, you know, I learn lessons of being from a plant in that experience. And then you see these similar, these, these similarities cross connect. And it's just like, I don't know. It's just really neat to see again that universality of being applied if if you're open enough to look at it just openly. Yeah, and of course, like that was a big purpose of mine and Lisa's trip and our friend Erica as well. She came down. She's an ex uh, Float House staff member, and she was down there as well. Mm-hmm. And we went through. We did a a little smattering of plant medicine work. We did three ayahuasca ceremonies. One Wachuma and then one Vilka, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. And um, man, ayahuasca is it is it is the, the craziest. Like it's amazing, it's amazing, but it's just so it's it's hard, but it's so rewarding, and uh, there's so much good there. Now, with that said. It's super important where you go and do it. Mm-hmm. It's certain, super important who you do it with, and you have to make sure you do your homework the right way. Like mm-hmm. um, on on a less meta- metaphysical note, like one thing that happens fairly commonly in Peru is like sexual assaults and ceremony and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can find a place that's like really reputable and trustworthy and doing it for the right reasons, it's gonna. <sighs> Honestly, I don't know anyone who it doesn't really positively affect. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, from from my perspective, like all the people that I've gone and sat in ceremony with over the many times I've been down to Spirit Quest, all the people, like let's say now there's roughly 150 people, 
you've experienced that with. Yeah. And like, you know, it's very out of that sample, which is a small sample, but it's still a sample. You know, I'd say like it's 90 plus percent have very beneficial results from it. And um, not necessarily even because they are having big experiences. I'd say maybe only about 70% actually, you know, really tap into the magic of the, of the medicine um, and just have these very, you know, personal transforming experiences. But then the 20% that um, still get really positive gains is just like sitting in ceremony, having ritual, sharing, open, being connected with this group of people and, you know, because the medicine works with different people in different ways. And, um, they, they still like have this retreat experience and this bonding experience that is, I think, super, super healthy. healthy as well. So it works in different ways for different people. Yeah. Like I, uh, I, I'm trying to think about, you know, what, how I have benefited from it, you know? And of course with any entheogen or psychedelic experience, you're going to get insights and things that you can be like oh you can apply to your life right away but with ayahuasca is for me it has been more of a complete shift into a more healthy state of being and it's like very holistic Mm -hmm. it's very holistic it's like it's like I'm a better person all around because of it right. in all so areas of my life. What are your maybe top few examples of how it's like um, improved your I life? I would say um, way less neurotic. That's a big one. Um, way less judgmental. Um, I would say it's – I think those those two are pretty big. Mm-hmm. Like Those are huge. Um more open of course like openness i mean i've always been pretty open but i just feel like just more accepting and more open and that is not to be confused with like oh i'm going to accept everybody the way they are or accept people's behavior the way it is especially if if they are out of line doesn't mean you have to accept their behavior but it's just like understanding that that's just where that person is at that point in time in their life due to their life circumstances for whatever reason. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, so just having a lot, even like when someone's kind of being jerky or, or does something or take it further, take it worse something really horrific, you know, um, almost even having a sense of like, compassion for that person because of how much pain they're probably in uh that got them to that place of being able to do that terrible thing Mm -hmm. you know yeah so it's like it's just shifted my perspective and my whole my whole general state of being into a a healthier direction overall Mm -hmm. and i'd say it's been a progression i've been down there three times now and every single time i've gone down it's it's like it creates a permanent shift in people and it's not necessarily like some big insight, like, oh, I'm going to live my life this way. It's more like yours. And in my case, it's been more like my state of being. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and I'm so like grateful for it. It's so, it's so good. You know, it's like, like way less like mental anguish and stress and suffering and all that stuff. Like, you know, it's just, totally totally diminished would you say like, and I when feel you... like and like let me just say like i, I want to go back and do it more because every time i shift a little bit and mm-hmm. i'm like 
man, the direction I've shifted is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that, I mean, not that we can really understand how it all works, but like, let's say you're having a really, really challenging ceremony. Sometimes I've had the kind of perception that like, I'm, I need to have this deep, hard, challenging personal experience at this moment. Cause it's almost like, it's like that stuff was in me and needed to come out. Oh, it's yeah. like, so it's like, okay, well let's bring it out all now. Or like, you know, let's bring most of it out now. And then that way you can like get, you know, just kind of experience it fully. And then by being able to experience it more fully and just allow it to happen and have some kind of like, you know, when, when you're in like a really challenging spot with the medicine work and ultimately you just like have to accept it. Like, okay, well this is just what's happening right now. And like, mm-hmm. and cause even if you superficially try to like positively shift it, that's the, that's to me, that's the difference between like mushrooms and, and ayahuasca mushrooms. You can kind of dance around the center, but ayahuasca doesn't really let you dance around the center too much. Um, if you do it enough times and like, and you know, with good intentions in the setting, like it's not going to let you dance around what it's trying to maybe highlight for you. No, uh, like the third ceremony down there this time was the hardest ceremony I've ever been through. Uh, and I went through a really couple hard ones last time in July. Um, but uh, this one was just something else. Mm-hmm. It was so hard. Yeah. It was so hard. I like, and like, I'm still, you know, I'm still pretty fresh from there and I'm still trying to unpack it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I know its messages were pretty fucking clear mm-hmm. and um but uh just just to like give you one little snip of my ceremony at one point I called banyo which means bathroom and I had to, I just had to leave the ceremony like I wasn't sure which end I was going to purge out of it was like mm-hmm. I was to- it was super hot I was just like I was like okay I need to go take care of this and mm-hmm. i tried to stand up and walk out the second i walk out of the maloka i just like had to purge over the balcony immediately mm-hmm. purging for those of you that don't know is generally vomiting uh but it's, it's the purge itself so many people get hung up on purging but the purge is so weird mm-hmm. it's so strange and i'll talk about that a little bit more later but like and then i, I just realized how how like f- like flattened i was by the medicine at that point so i just i was like literally grabbing onto the banister the entire way and the bathroom's maybe 20 meters away mm-hmm. at the end of that row and i'm just like walking across the banisters and i have a guide with me and like they stay with you the entire time that you're gone and he has a little flashlight and it's interesting how they teach these people how to hold space and i realized it i was like because and i'll get into that in a little bit but i'm making my way to the bathroom and then I just had to sit down. I just had to keep sitting. I couldn't go. I couldn't even move my body. So, like, I literally do, like, a butt scoot along the floor. And I just stop and rest and, like, and I, like kind of do, like, a butt scoot down those little stairs. And then I finally make it to the bathroom, purge out of every end, come out. And I just lay down in front of the bathroom for, like, another, I don't know, maybe half an hour, 45 minutes. Hmm. And, like... I was still totally in the experience. I could hear the Icaros, but they were just off in the distance. But it was the nice thing was it was a little bit cooler, so that actually helped. Um, but I was still at that point. I almost called for Don Howard, and there's something I don't, I don't know. I've never had to do it, but if it gets too intense, they can do things to lower the intensity somehow. Mm-hmm. And I almost called for him. I was just like, this is getting way too crazy, mm. um, and. Uh, but I realized that that wasn't the answer. Like it wasn't like 
you know, if I had Don Howard come rescue me, that that's not there's a reason I'm going through what I was going through. Mm-hmm. So I just I tried to like just bring it back together. I'm like, no, no, let's like you know just accept where we are right now. Just like, have the acceptance of this place that you're in and start from there. Just be like, okay, this is this is what it is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, and eventually it sort of becoming more positive but then 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 it just like go boom like straight back down um but going back to the guy who was escorting he was it's really interesting because like because i had one of those ceremonies that was like so crushing that i wanted to just reach out to another human being but it's really important in ayahuasca ceremonies to not touch anybody and to not have phys- and not have an interaction with people you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be completely quiet the entire time too mm-hmm. and you know, I was looking at the guy and I was like reaching out to him almost like I wanted to connect to him. I was just like looking for comfort somewhere, mm. but, but they knew not to do that. Mm. And he was this, and he was, he just held his space and he didn't respond. And he, even though he knew that. Were you reaching for him? Oh yeah. Wow. And, yeah. And, and like, he's he, like, the thing is they're there to keep you safe, but they're not there to rescue you from whatever you're going through. And I think they've been trained to do that because he knew exactly the protocol was like very clear. Like he's like, I'm here, but I'm not going to save you from what you're going through right now. And that's I'm, really, that's really high level stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'll even see that in, um, I think that's really important. I think that's a really important thing when someone's signing up to do that kind of work, whether it's shamanism work or even men's group work that, um, you know, no, you, you don't, have, don't let, rescue people. Yes. You know, let like people go through the like, experience because when you rescue them, mm-hmm. you're actually robbing them of the gold for when they figure it out for themselves. Exactly. Like I saw this guy who's doing a pretty intense share a couple of weeks ago and one of the other guys, like when he was sharing, when he got, the, the guy was getting choked up, put his arm out and like grabbed his shoulder and kind of like consoled him. Consoled him. And, and in my head, I wanted like, I should have maybe, well, I don't know. So, you know, yeah, I, so I was just going to say, like, you know, don't lines. rescue him. Don't rescue But he's right. Like, when do you want to support? But he didn't need support. Mm. Like, I mean. No, I, I, I think it's like, I think you let, unless someone's like. Asking for help or. Ask, well, I would say even like, not even. Right. I mean, if they're like, if they're like borderline suicidal, yes. Right. You know, or like if they're physically in danger, of course. Right. But I think for the most part, you shouldn't rescue because it's like. Maybe that person needs to hit rock fucking bottom before they said, I've had enough of whatever bullshit this is, and I'm going to pull myself out of it. Because sometimes that, and that's so powerful because that stays with them. Right. If they're looking for external rescuing, like you were, you know, you're seeking outside of you for your answer. Exactly. And And that's not it. And it's not not it, it. you know? So, and and the good thing is, is the cool thing is, I'm like, and then in that moment i'm like i'm like no 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 that's not why he's here mm. he's here to make sure i'm physically that's safe huge. but i'm like no no you got to go back in and you got to do this work right and then and then mm. he, every like maybe 5 10 15 minutes i'm not sure he'd he'd just be like he'd be like senor should we go back to ceremony that's mm-hmm. all he'd say mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i'd be like 5 minutes 5 minutes <laughs> and then and he was so patient and i think they're like they know they have to stay with you the whole time which i think is totally appropriate they have right. to yeah but it was cool to see how that training worked out mm-hmm. and then and then i started hearing the final arcana i was like oh yes ceremony's almost over and um and i couldn't walk so i got up on all fours and basically i start just like 
one hand in front of the other, crawling back to the Maloka, super slow. And at first I was like, man, this is kind of like pathetic. I'm like, you're a man, you're like, you have to crawl back, like you can't even get up. And I'm like, this guy's going to have to wait for you to crawl back. And, and like, he's waiting for you this entire time. But mm. I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm like, this is good. I'm like, you're crawling. You're making forward progress. If this is the best you can do right now, I'm like, that's enough. That's good enough. It's, hum- it's humble. It's yeah. humility. So I crawl. It took me about, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I'd say at least an hour to go about 20 meter round trip hmm. <laughs> back to the right. Maloka. And then when I was walking back, I, I was having all these thoughts about Don Rober. He is the, the main maestro who um, conducts ceremony. And uh, Don Howard, because they've obviously done a lot of plant medicine work in their life. And I'm like, I'm sure they've had experiences like this or worse. On that note, too, Don Howard says, he's like, the more you do ayahuasca, the harder it gets. Mm. Um, And that makes sense, too, because it's like if you you learn levels or lessons at a certain level, it's like it has to challenge you further for you to grow from it anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, and I was just thinking, I'm like, wow, like they've I'm like, I'm like, I'm sure they have gone through it ceremonies like this at some point maybe even harder right and i'm like when i get back into the maloka i'm literally going to bow at their feet <laughs> and i get back into the maloka mm-hmm. and basically um they're going around doing the final arcanas and i see them and i go to the end of my mat and i literally bow like and i kneel down as if i'm worshiping like some sort of old you know statue god or something to don rober i'm just like bowing and i'm like I'm going to bow until you come around here. And I'm just like bowed in his direction. Yeah. And then, no, and the then b- his funny thing is like, it was perfect too, because like he, he comes around and he, he sees me like this in this position and he just kind of laughs. He's like, <laughs> and then he just moves on. And I'm like, yes, like perfect. You know I mean? He's like, cause I think he knew exactly where I was. He, and I think mm-hmm. he knew how tough it was, but he's like, Yes, yes, bow, but he's like, don't take me too seriously. That's right. what I kind of got from the whole thing. Right. It was like, oh, it's like, yeah. It's like, he's like, because it's like, there is this level of, yes, I am a, like a high level banco. I'm a hot, you know, this maestro that's been doing this work in the Amazon for 50 years. Mm-hmm. This is life's work. But he's like, but I'm not better than you. Right. You know, which mm-hmm. was really, it was cool. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's really powerful to hear that you kind of came to this place of like, I am going to just bow in general, like the, just the act of bowing. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm sure you felt it very viscerally there. It has a very like significant meaning to your being of just doing that act, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and, and I, you can take that to any kind of the little symbolic acts we do with our body, whether it's prayer hands or bowing of the head and exposing our crown and all these different things like there's actually like really deep visceral meaning that's where like you know having a deep plant medicine experience or psychedelic experience can actually like kind of tap you into those deeper meanings of these like things that you kind of just take for granted a bit more Mm. just don't bring a lot of depth to it's more whatever you know whether you're just kind of doing it because everyone else is doing it or you know you just see it somewhere and you're just kind of copying it like some like when you when i have different plant medicine experiences like you just it's funny how you kind of get things differently things that you would normally just not go deeper into so true like you just get like this wave of like understanding behind things and it's so cool i wish i just wish i had more access to it 
I wish it wasn't so, you know, just to go down all the way to Peru. Because, like, doing it that way at Spirit Quest is, you know, until Don Howard dies, I'm not doing it any other way. Like, I'm right. going there until it's, over. until it's over. Right. And, like, man, I, w- I just wish we had more access to it. Like, I would, mm-hmm. I would do it more frequently. Mm-hmm. I would do it because it's just, like, I did it twice this year basically like six months apart mm-hmm. and uh but like you're saying man, too like there is something to having bigger stints of integration and then going back like you go back if you go and do that once a year i think that's just a very healthy relationship so good uh, on a general like you know if you're trying to like lead the you know a relatively integrated life here of yeah. um, you know responsibilities work family um societal community whatever you're doing here um, granted, you know, here's the thing, like you don't, I, I mean, I, I don't know what my future looks like in terms of all of that kind of stuff, but, um, and how I can, I want to, cause I do want to bring more of this kind of work on some level. And I, we kind of do now integrate it into my lifestyle here. Like, you know, even just using the Mapacho up here and going to the river and just getting out into nature and camping or whatever it is. But like, you know, you can bring well, this stuff well, to, to your life here too. For sure. Like there's two floating. Main- the two big areas of shamanism, other than like all the medicinal and medicine work, not just ayahuasca, but everything else that they do, which mm-hmm. is pretty extensive. It's very extensive, actually. Um, a big part of it is like being in touch with nature. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it is accessing altered states of consciousness. Right. Those are the two, like, two pretty big things with shamanism, like being mm-hmm. in nature, in harmony with nature, really being involved with like un, you know just seeing it for the way it is mm-hmm. and then uh the altered states of consciousness mm-hmm. and uh those are like and then of course like there's all the, the shaman stuff like all the herbal medicines and all the other stuff that mm-hmm. they do mm-hmm. and that's kind of what it is you know yeah and you but can, like you said it's, it's a lot i mean it's, it's like it's a lifetime's worth of work it's like doing a phd or something it's um you know it's it's crazy deep and it's it's uh, super profound like i think i really do see shamanism um becoming an, an, a very integral part of our global civilization to help us just bring greater balance to our lives and to our harmony and, and harmony with with earth and with each other I, I see us going needing to go back to a very fundamental roots nature of interrelating with the cosmos of with reality of with the universe um and and you know, almost like sidestepping all the different ideology and dogma stuff of religion and just going right back to the original kind of awareness that's that's within us. Yeah. And, like, you don't necessarily have to use plant medicines, but, man, do they fucking do it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they just, there's nothing else that, like, compares in my experience. Yeah. yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's cool. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to my opportunity to go back whenever that is and, you know, continuing on. Cause I still, I find tremendous value of it in my life and, you know, Oh yeah. So, so anyways, that, I mean, again, so much to unpack there yeah. and it's really, I'm still sort of unpacking it all. Right totally. Now, no, big time. as you but, should be. Um, 
But yeah, man, was 2017 good. was awesome. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, for the podcast itself, we had some amazing guests, the guys like Rick Doblin and Graham Hancock, and mm-hmm. um, who else did we have this year? Well, we, we had Wim Hof and right. Don Howard, like we had mentioned. Yep. Um, Robert Glover. Yeah. John Martini. Like, we, we really started getting some of those high-level guests, which is really uh, it's just, cool. It was just really, really fun, yeah. and I hope you guys enjoyed the ride as well. Um, and then this was a big year for the community. Like, I think we did, I'm not sure how many number of events we did total, but basically one a month. Yeah. Almost a dozen. I'd say probably all, all counting a dozen events this year, like in-person events, which were amazing. We're going to continue those on for 2018. Um, you know, the mindful mass really got rolled. You kind of celebrated your one year anniversary with that community, which is kind of like an interbridge of communities as well. Obviously the Vancouver real community is, uh, is really, um, you know, connected with Mindful Mass since Andy was the one that, you know, you kind of started it basically. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, so we had uh, what three or four different Mindful Mass events. Um, and, and then obviously, you know, we had a, yeah, I I think a very, um, you can connect with both of those groups too. We we generally organize them through Facebook because most people are on Facebook Mm -hmm. or email or are the emails. Yeah, so, so you can go to uh, mindfulmass.org or vancouverreal.tv or find the Facebook groups. Just yeah. go to uh, yeah. Mindful Mass Flash Meditation Mob, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And you know and what I love about the, the community, Vancouver man? Real community page. One, I love the consistency that we're getting out of people to come and like connect and, con- and like, to literally build like a community like it's awesome like i love well, seeing the sim the, the faces that we see this the familiar faces yeah and i love seeing the new faces too because i think the people that you know are resonating with the podcast that we do and the events that we throw and the activities and and just like on this you know journey of life within the city it's just you know you meet some really awesome people like oh, yeah. you have and the, and great the cool conversations they are such it's such a good crowd Mm-hmm. It's such a good all of them. They're so like, if you want to meet some like really just like people who really fucking care, they mm-hmm. just care in general. Mm-hmm. You know, just come out to some of these events and meet some of the people because it's it's every time it's it's amazing who we're we're attracting. It's like really heartfelt, heart centered people uh, that are like, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, very consciously aware people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, and the conversations that we have, even when we were doing like, say the hike up in Squamish, we're just like, yeah, they went deep into the world of like metaphysics pretty much within like 10 minutes of us starting the walk. It was like, that's <laughs> yeah. just where we went, you know? Yeah. And obviously, you know, Candace White and Sean totally, Buckle, yeah. like they are just the community drivers. They literally just spearhead that side of it for us. And yep and for Vancouver real and uh, without them, like it, it wouldn't happen. Like we just and don't course, have the bandwidth. Carolyn Budgel from mindful mass. She's leading all the mindful mm-hmm. masses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we got, we got connected with Lululemon last time, which was really fun. And they actually, uh, matched the donation. We did a donation for uh, yoga outreach, which is a program which basically helps people who have suffered some sort of trauma mm-hmm. and they, uh, do yoga and help them work through their trauma with yoga. Like they go into the prisons, they work with like battered women, all sorts of different amazing groups. Cool. Yeah. So, so we, did, we did the donation and mm-hmm. Lululemon matched the donation. So, mm-hmm. um, and also they, I think they paid for that band to come out. Cool. We had like a jazz band perform right at the end of the meditation at Woodward's, which yeah. was pretty awesome. It was so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all these things are super exciting. And of course, Float House. Float House is to me, it's like, man, it's like 
I love this place, man. It's like yeah. so. Um, I love I love what it represents, and I love what we do here with people. It's the coolest thing. Yeah. I yeah, like it's, it's the, like the building itself, but then the the service and the experience of like you know when I love being in here and just seeing people file on in for their float appointments on the hour and going into a dark box full yeah. of water to be with themselves and to yeah. meditate and to connect like and that's what they do here i think it's the fact that we have people that come in and do this it's all about so cool it's so crazy because floating is it's a hundred percent about the individual it's yeah. a, your experience is is you, you have no one else to blame for your experience other than you you know, mm-hmm. for whatever that experience looks like. It could be positive, could be negative, could be whatever. Mm-hmm. Floating is nothing more than a mirror of yourself. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is just like you confronting yourself over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily have to be bad stuff. It can be amazing stuff as mm-hmm. well. And it can be super relaxing, but it's just like, and I, again, that word you use, connection, is like connecting to yourself. Yep. Like to your full being your yeah. physical your mental your spiritual sides you you connect to yourself because that's all that's in there with you mm-hmm. no you i know? mean since my son was born i've only been able to throw, float about i think three times but man like because i'm usually going every week right and ideally a couple times a week in fact if i go three times in a week nothing bothers me but um when i've only gone three times in the last you know nine weeks for me, like when I go in there, life, life piles on. Oh, but just going in there and yeah. shutting it all off, and really going into that man, like I come out feeling just incredible. Like my nervous system needs it, my psyche needs it. Uh, well, it's not that I need it, but it's just it's so helpful, it's so supportive. It's such an incredible space. Yet it's relatively simplistic, and it's you know, you know. Well, from our goal, we try to make it as accessible as possible. You know, yeah, we're open from all as, perspectives. We're open as angles. much as we can. We try to make it as affordable as possible. We try to give you, you know, the best service we can in this, like, that's, you know, because we just want people to use it. You yeah. So it's, and it's, it's, it's easy to, um, to fall out of the float routine every now and then. Like, I remember I've gone through periods where I hadn't floated for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just sort of forget, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just sort of forget and kind of get caught up in the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. then you start saying, oh, I don't have time. Well, it's very easy not to do. <clears throat> it's very easy not to do. But there's a lot of things that are very easy not to do, right. like exercising, like mm-hmm. eating healthy, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all the other things, getting proper sleep, like not putting off projects and work or, mm-hmm. you know, we, we human beings are pretty good at putting things off. Not, not everyone. And. I think there's a lot of people who have slayed that dragon of procrastination, but there's a lot of people who haven't. And some people go through waves. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you go through different like uh, cycles within your routines, and like sometimes that's healthy, and uh, you're like go through really productive cycles. And other times it's like you you know you you're, you pull back a little bit, mm-hmm. and both are okay. But it's like don't say pull back for too long, and don't get stuck in those ruts. Right. Yeah. Because we do live. You know. You need to be to do, but then you also got to do to be like, you know, you got to have one foot in both realms of being able to kind of like take things as they come and accept and and allow and and be. And then also to, um, you know, to be able to take action and and get creative and and explore an idea and push yourself and, and grow. 
you know, it's like, and they both will facilitate growth, but just in different ways. Yeah. Um, well, I like the idea yeah. of like walking that fine line between order and chaos. And mm-hmm. that's where you want to be. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be completely in chaos because nobody wants to be in chaos. Mm-hmm. And if you're in too much order, you don't want to be there either. Mm-hmm. You want to, you want to walk that fine line between order and chaos. And it's like, that's when you know you're, you're moving in the right direction. Right? Because it's like the chaos will give you, if you go into chaos, go into disorder, go into the unknown, that's where you're going to get new information mm-hmm. and potentially, you know, change or benefit your life. Um, but if you stay in the order, stay in the comfort, stay in, you know, the predictable, the predictable, you, you know that it's not going to change. However, that's a good place to be to recover because you can't live in chaos all the time. Like you'll, yeah. you'll literally And it's a good place to be to, to like, like, you know, to cross off the to-do list and to like tackle things and get them done. It's like having order in your life helps you get things done mm-hmm. where having chaos in your life helps you discover and learn and yeah. grow. That's a good way of putting it for you know? sure. So it's like walking that fine edge, you know, it's like so many people out there would love to create a utopian society, but it's been argued from Jordan Peterson that if we did have a utopian society, that human beings would probably smash it to pieces anyways, because mm-hmm. we're actually like, we need chaos. We need disorder. We need a dragon to slay to have mm-hmm. purpose in our lives. And if we don't have that, then we kind of, we get crazy. You know, mm-hmm. I think, you know, people are generally happiest when they're moving towards something. Right. It's like the whole lottery winner thing, you know, like if, Someone's just bestowed upon a huge thing where all their financial worries are gone and they have no necessities for life. And, like, you know, they either blow it all and, and like, you know, oh, start they can, back they totally or they go into a depression or, or, you know, like, who knows what it is. But, like, it depends on the person, obviously. But, um, yeah, no, there's something about the dance of it all and, and uh, embracing that dance and knowing sometimes you're going to trip and stub your toe and sometimes you're going to you know, uh, you know, get rejected to even join the dance. And then other times you're going to just be like, you know, in your zone and, uh, pirouetting across the floor, like a graceful goose that you are. You're a graceful goose. Yeah. I don't pirouette. And I'm not a goose. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but I get what you're saying though. Living in flow. Yeah. Living in flow and, and, uh, and, and, you know, Riding the edges, like when you when you surf, you're in the flow state, but you're also participating. You have to paddle to catch that wave. You got to stand up and balance and cut and carve and da 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 da. You know what's cool about the wave too is when you when you're really surfing a wave, you really are immediately on the edge of order and chaos. Yeah, it's like the, the front part of the wave is smooth and it's like it's forming out of the ocean. Right. It's like, yeah. And, it's, and then the back part's just like turmoil and chaos. And, yeah. and like literally to surf properly, you're like in the middle. You're right on the edge of the chaos, yeah. but you're on the edge of the order too. And that's where that's where the flow is. How crazy is that, right? Yeah. It's like it's like completely um I don't, what's it just portrayed in that example mm-hmm. and it's like you see it and you see those those elements in nature all the time like whether it's on a wave or just on how something grows like these examples that's why like i believe there's truth in them and to these things that we're saying these different types of analogies is because um you, you see them anywhere and they're universal you see them from the macro to the micro to and, and everywhere in between from the slow and the fast and uh it's you know, that's what gives me confirmation Yeah, a lot of the time. Yeah. There's a lot of principles out there that can be observed in nature, which can definitely be applied to your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, 
we want to pretend that we're far away from nature, but man, we are nature. You know, mm-hmm. human beings are that. Yeah, know? well, that's so it's what... like we're governed by the same laws and rules and principles as everything else. And that's why I look at going in the float tank, especially within an urban environment, is like you are isolating yourself, which is nature. So you are going into nature when you go into a float tank, is what I say. And it's a nice way to uh, to do that um, in just a unique way. Yeah, um, and it's one of those things, too, people, if you can, like, get that into your normal routine, like... Even if it's coming twice a month, like twice a month is not bad. That's huge. Yeah. If you're coming once a month is okay, but it's like, if you can get in there twice a month or ideally once a week, that's, if you're getting in once a week, that will, you'll be amazed on how Mm -hmm. beneficial that will be for your life. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, and I'll say, and I say this quite often to different guests that are coming on, like if you float once a week, it'll change your life. And I have, I don't say that to try to sell anything. I don't say that. Um, it's arrogantly, it's just the truth. Like you come float once a week consistently, and it will change your life. Yeah, yeah. And then you throw in some brain evolve and grind bars, and you're even better. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, that's the cool thing. I mean, we have more support for the show. We have, um, you know, our buddy Dave Wheel, who is the founder of the Grind Bar. Who we're gonna will have, have him on in yeah, January. Too, exactly. We're gonna have him on the show. Um, it's just an entrepreneur guy, like literally grinding it out, doing his thing, following his oh, passion. Man. And he's like you know? so, man, I'm so impressed with how he stuck it out. Mm-hmm. He's really stuck it out. And it's like, and his product is fucking good. Mm-hmm. The grind awesome. bar is really good. Nope. No, like, and, and they move well here, man. They sell well. We have them at both centers. Yeah. Um, and I know he's got them all over the city in different spots too. Um, he's got the grind bar plus which um, is a special grind bar. Can we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and basically, he, that's a grind bar plus has the CBD oil in it, and then he has just the regular grind bar without the CBD oil um, to get into the bigger chains at this point in time, given the state of the war on drugs. Um, you know, he well, made the, the non-CBD bar. Yeah, but, I mean, legalization is happening next year, so yeah. it all really depends on how they choose to regulate CBD. Yeah. They don't really know how it's going to be, like... Man, it's no yet. different than some sort of like you know like essential oil extract tincture. Like, it's, it's it a, it's, really isn't. It's not. It's yeah. not at all. But I it's mean, they're gonna. I mean, I personally use the CBD bars because um, I find, for a lot of reasons, uh, I find them really stabilizing. Mm-hmm. You get really good energy from them, but they're stabilizing because it's like it does have a bit of caffeine in there, but like the CBD neutralizes the jittery effects of the caffeine so you have energy but you're stabilized and also i find the cbds are really good for my joints sure in fact i just popped by red med before the podcast and picked up a bunch of cbd pills i i took on christmas day two 15 milligram cbd pills Mm -hmm. and man the next day my joints felt like butter i couldn't believe it well like you know what? It's interesting you talk about that too because um we had our last episode that we just launched i think it was today or yesterday uh we had this guy named klaus um, furlough come on and he's a master herbologist he's all about herbal herbs and he was touting the, the the elements of this tree called the neem tree which is from india and south asia and southeast asia and um, he gave me a whole bunch of his um, of his line and the one one i used um this palm, this balm on leo's head he's got some cradle cap it's like um it's kind of like psoriasis but just babies get it usually in their first year and i put it on within a day it was gone wow and and then now i'm taking this um tincture of this stuff and it's really really potent and tastes really really bad however it's an anti-inflammatory and 
I feel fantastic. I should try that. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good mm, stuff. You get some of that stuff. It's legit logos. stuff. It was, he was a really interesting guy. Really, he's an older guy, really wise, really sweet, um, and um, very, like, you know, he follows those principles of the Bible. And, and like, not that he's religious. I don't even know his, if he's religious. but He lives like, that way. Mm-hmm, and just, like, do what you know is right. Or, as Peterson says, at least do what you know Stop doing what you know not to be right. You know what you're doing that is not serving you or is not good, you know, honestly. And at least stop doing those. And then or over stop time, saying things that you know to be not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the more you can start to bring yourself into those types of alignments, even just with your own words and behaviors and actions and thoughts and commitments and promises, oh, I don't man. know, man. It, it, it shifts... It shifts your reality, and it sh- and not just your reality. It shifts reality, um, and things start to just they work out work better. Better, you know, yeah. it works out better. How I don't know, but it's like you start to do the things that you know you should and be doing. And it accumulates over time. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing too. That's if what you I've stick noticed. With it, it's like even if it's like on a person-to-person daily interaction basis, right? Yep. Over the years of interacting with people the right way, mm-hmm. whatever that way calls for, um, that starts snowballing because you start also, just on a very physical, real-world level, you start building a good reputation for yourself. Yeah. And people like will think highly of it. It's like, oh, when he says he's going to be there, he's there. Um, and and um, if he's got something to say, he'll say just say exactly what it is. Um, and as long, you know, say exactly what it is. And then the more you, the more I've done that, I find that overall, like there's this less shit of my own self to get hung up on stuff. You know, like I don't waste energy. So like, that's it. Like I was just said what I have to say. That's as clear and as simple as I can explain it. And I have nothing more to say. And I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating it or, or being off directed and not that I'm being mean about things. I'm just trying to be as clear and honest as possible. And yeah. man, that has a huge impact. Um, cause yeah. when you, when you're not direct and you're not clear, right. you, it can, everything can just go back. You're always off the mark a little bit. It's yeah. always off the mark, you but sin. Yeah. There you as go. Sin means off the mark. Right. Anyways. Um, and also, um, I'm back on the good old brain evolve. Yeah. It's a fantastic product. Oh man, I it use it. It's helped so me a lot. Good with like, my early fatherhood. Like and just getting, if you want to have a like a, a solid night's sleep, mm-hmm. take this thing and take this before an hour before you go to sleep, and yep. you will sleep like a freaking baby. Like, mm-hmm. like it really helps. It is so good. You'll have such a peaceful, deep sleep. Yeah. One thing that happens to me is I find I get pulled all over the place because of my schedule. I just get like yep. so my schedule gets all thrown off. But then what I'll do is I'll go through a stint of Brain Evolve to just develop um, like really consistent sleeping patterns. Mm. And when you have those really consistent sleeping patterns, like going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, your energy is so much better. And you just I just feel so much healthier when I have healthy sleep patterns. Yep. Um, yep. Well, did you know, he? have you heard the, the three claims that he's allowed to say about that product right now? Well, what are they? Basically... Um, it helps to aid in concussion healing by three times. It can accelerate the healing of concussion symptoms by three times. Like that's the number three times, according to the, the research. Um, it can prevent neurodegenerative disease. He can literally say that. Wow. And um, I forget the third one. Anyways, 
Um, but yeah, I mean, that's huge, man. Like those two alone, just the fact that he has that, I don't think he's officially like announced that even on his site yet, but he's told me that. Um, and I asked him if it's cool to say, he's like, yeah, he's like, it's official. Like he can say as by NSF that it can prevent, help prevent neurodegenerative disease. That's massive. That is huge. You know? Yeah. And Oh, by the way, he's, he got invited to speak at the pro bowl, right? But he's going to be speaking to the alumni of the Pro Bowl. Right. All these ex-NFL players, he's going to be, like, going and speaking to them about yeah. the product. Because, you know, those guys are all, like, CTE, like, mm-hmm. you CTE. Know, it's like the 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 brain damage. Right. From like con- punch drunk kind of thing? Concussions. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a really good movie about that called Concussion, actually. It's right. on Netflix now. I just watched it. Oh, really, yeah. Definitely worth watching. Cool. Really interesting. And very interesting for me because I played football for 14 years. And I'm like, right. man, right? You gotta wonder. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, for sure. Like, I think taking like, the brain evolve is a really smart thing to do. Yeah, I think especially if you've done any sport like that for a long time, it's mm-hmm. just like, I feel like it's helped me. Like, I just feel like I, I, I function. I'm my cognitive function is just improved. Hmm. It's improved. It's not like. You know, no, it's not like it's a smart just, drug. Yeah, but it's like overall, it's improved. It's supporting. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, cool. Yeah, so Brain Evolve, Grand Bar. I mean, just great partners that we have here, and I love like the type of people that we draw into this space. And I know we're kind of getting over. We just crossed the hour mark, so and I think we should start to wrap it up. But yeah, I, think I mean, I'm, I'm I'm super open. 2018 is going to be an awesome year. We got a, a whole sh- slew of podcast oh, lined up for january wh- yeah we got we got the tedx denley park series as i'm calling it right uh we got uh wade davis check him he'll have him on probably in february yeah, he's a psychedelic researcher yeah he's he's used to know terrence mckenna he's gonna be coming on mm-hmm. um potentially paul stamets yep maybe so the mycologist yeah that would be super really... famous the most famous mycologist in the world probably oh and oh this is something i want to put out at the end of every podcast from now on and if you, you, the listener, knows anybody that you think would be an awesome guest for the podcast or can connect us with anybody who would be an awesome guest, just shoot us an email and like get us in touch with them. Okay. Um, what email should we give them? Info at VancouverReal.tv. That's okay. Yeah. Use that. Info at VancouverReal.tv. If you know of any amazing guests locally or anyone you could connect us with, please like send them our way and we'd love to interview them. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, if you're local to Vancouver and you're in and around Float House, use the promo code VancouverReal, and that will get you a 20% discount on a single float. We have our two float special until January 9th, so you're welcome to grab that as well. This will probably be out before then, so yep. snaggle that if you need to. Um, snaggle. And, uh, yeah, come come back again. If it's been a while, like we're saying, um, it, you know, sometimes you do forget what it's like to uh, go into maximal sensory reduction. Yeah. By God, it's awesome. It's so awesome. good. So good. Um, yeah. And uh, also, I just want to say a huge thanks to everybody who listens and supports all the little things we do, like Mindful Mass and Vancouver Real Meetups and Vancouver Real and Float House. And if you're sort of within that ecosystem, like, thank you. You know, if you know people that you think it would be a good fit to be in this ecosystem, bring them around. Drag you know? them in. It's, like, it's a super health. I, I believe we've created a really healthy sort of community with really like-minded and just really heart-centered um but smart and like i don't know like really good people you know yeah so if you know anyone that is looking for people like that come check us out somewhere yeah absolutely cool and thank you everybody um we really appreciate all your support 
It's been a lot of fun. 2017. Moving on. 2018. I love those numbers. Those are my two football numbers growing up. Yeah. And I'm born on May 20th as well. Bam. Goes deep for me. (laughs) Football numbers and birthdays. So, uh, yeah, all the best to you and yours uh, this holiday season. Thanks for listening to Microcast number four. And we'll be back soon with another uh, thrilling Vancouver Real formal episode. So check it out. Till next time. To whatever is. To whatever is. For the good of all.